Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 15th, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is traveling to Arkansas for our Pleiadian lineup, Starseed Quest, and we'll all be back two weeks from tonight. Pleiadian lineup starts tomorrow, and that's our show topic this evening. We have a pre-recorded presentation from Lavendar that will explain what Pleiadian lineup is. And I would like to thank Vanya for hosting the switchboard this evening. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our page here on Blog Talk Radio. Just use the cloud with an arrow on it. And we'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And for those who need healing of any kind for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will help. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you want a Stage 2 session to interpret that chart, please order it about two or three months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours happens. So um, this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed news. Hey, Anastasia. Hello, Ariel. It's great to be with you and the listeners tonight. What a lot is going on, and uh, we can all feel the season change in my neck of the woods. A couple of more warm days, and then autumn is going to be departing. You know, there's astrological autumn or astrological winter and there's meteorological winter and uh, we are uh, approaching the meteorological phase of winter happens generally about a month before it happens on the calendar so you all will begin to notice i think around the 21st of the month things will start to shift and feel a bit more wintry well we do have a subsiding chance of solar storms right now because earth is exiting a stream of high-speed solar wind now As a result, the chance of magnetic storms and auroras is now decreasing, which is kind of unusual. Been a lot of auroras for quite a while, but it's quieting down up there. And yesterday, the full moon that happened was the biggest and brightest in nearly 70 years. Mm, It took a whole lifetime for most of you out there, and it was 14% bigger and 30% brighter than the full moons of the past. It was so bright, in fact, it did something that normally is reserved for the sun because in some locations, it was so bright, it made a rainbow. And speaking of that, yeah, I'm just asking, of course, no one out there can answer me at the moment, but have any of you Starseed listeners ever seen a moonbow? 
Well, that's what it was, a moonbow. I've seen a moonbow over the desert. It's an amazing thing to be driving in the desert at night and see a rainbow in the night sky. And if you saw that, I'd be interested in hearing from you about that. But uh, they did have some photos of that on the Internet, a moonbow made by this enormous moon. We had quite a bit of earthquake activity the past week. It's simmered down there for a couple of three weeks, but it's on the uptick now. We had a 6.2 magnitude quake that struck off the coast of Honshu, Japan. And uh, what makes that so interesting is that it is uh, around Fukushima. Now, TEPCO said that it was checking the integrity of the crippled nuclear power plant as this epicenter uh, was located pretty close to the Fukushima prefecture. And uh, the the quake struck on Friday. And I don't know if I said, I didn't say that, prefecture is how I supposed to say that. <laughs> anyway, it was near Fukushima. And that would be, of course, concerning, very concerning, as, as if uh, enough hasn't happened there already. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we had a 5.7 quake that struck Argentina and a 6.1 quake in uh, Sulu Sea near the Philippines, in case anybody doesn't know where the Sulu Sea is. And we did have a powerful 7.4 earthquake that struck near Christchurch, New Zealand, um, that's a big one. And then they had an aftershock right after that. The very next day, they had a 6.2. So New Zealand is having a lot of activity. Some experts are speculating that a couple of tectonic plates are moving, and we'll see how that uh, pans out. In uh, Peru, the Sabancaya volcano has erupted once again. It erupted this past Friday. It spewed a huge ash cloud, and that new activity came just hours after they had a flurry of, oh, six or seven small explosions that occurred at that volcano. Well, in our world news and uh, society department, I wanted to share a few following stories with you. India has uh, temporarily banned currency notes. Uh, the government in India made a move to ban large currency notes. Uh, they say that this is continuing that country's push toward a cashless society, and they say that's been an ongoing effort for decades. In any event, they banned 500 and 1,000 rupee notes. Well, I mean, that sounds like a lot. You know, we think, oh, it's just a $500 bill and a $1,000 bill, right? No, that's not how those exchange rates work. In India... Uh, that just amounts to a few American dollars. So a $500 uh, 500 rupee note and a 1,000 rupee note just amounts to a few American dollars and actually is about 85%, constitutes about 85% of the cash transactions in, in India. Well, this ban sparked a run on the banks last week. Uh, customers formed massive lines at banks trying to get their cash notes out while they still could. And then banks uh, shut down on Wednesday, and they limited uh, withdrawals on ATMs. Well, that was quite a panic for people in India, especially the poor people, people that needed cash on the spot. And politicians are saying that this new measure was aimed at fighting tax evasion and corruption and black market money and stuff like that. But the poor people in India are moaning, saying that they're going to be the the hardest ones hit. And uh, while the government of India says that they will replace these... um, defunct notes with new notes uh, that they'll put eventually into circulation. Financial experts in that country believe that this is ultimately a litmus test for the Indian public to see how they will uh, react to a cashless society. They think that's where it's going. Well, um, mm, 
you know, a lot of people are really hooked on Facebook. I mean, lots of people are hooked on Facebook. I know a lot of people that just check it constantly. Well, sometimes that goes to extremes, and in this case, it led to starting some wildfires, you see. Uh, there was this wannabe weatherman who was jailed for arson after he admitted that he started a wildfire to draw attention to his selfie videos on Facebook, according to the town's police chief. It was a 21-year-old male, and he was charged with second-degree arson. Now, the police chief said, quote, he loves to do Facebook videos and have people follow him on his weather forecast. So that's pretty much why he did it, said the chief of police. He said he enjoyed the attention he got from the Facebook stuff. So You know, there's movies out there like that. Um, what was there, a James Bond movie about the, uh, what, the evil <laughs> evil media mogul that was going to start a world war so that he could record the news. Do you remember that one, Ariel? No, I don't. I can't remember the name of the movie. doesn't matter, but it's sort of like uh, life copying art, uh, art, except in this case it wasn't world war, but it was an arson, and there you go. Somebody liked to have some Facebook popularity, so they just went and lit a fire. Okay. Well, um, this comes from the activist post. I wanted to share this with you. I, I suppose some of you might have thought of things like this earlier, but it's coming out, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, according to a new report by Georgetown Law Center on Privacy and Technology, half of all Americans now have photographs of themselves stored in facial recognition databases. Now, the vast majority of these citizens are not suspecting crimes, nor do they have criminal records. But the report indicated that over 117 million adults are stored in facial recognition databases and that any of their photos can be used at any time in a virtual lineup where they can be picked out by uh, witnesses to crimes and such as that. Now, according to the uh, American Civil Liberties Union, many police departments are using photos from Facebook, photos from protests, and even videos of average people who are walking up and down the street, which are taken from cameras posted in urban centers. It was even indicated in this report that driver's license photos are used to populate these facial recognition databases. Now, the report's findings suggest that the technology may be violating the rights of millions of Americans because these uh, recognition databases have become over overwhelmingly made up of non-criminal entries. Now, they say this is very dangerous because this technology is far from perfect and, in fact, Mistakes are made all the time. Now, the FBI admits that one out of every seven searches of its facial recognition database is incorrect, meaning that innocent people are singled out on a regular basis. However, other reports are showing that the number of mistakes and errors, error rates, is close to 90%, that those that have been identified by facial recognition technology are innocent people. All right. Well, in our genetically engineered department, <laughs> how would you like to have a genetically engineered cashmere sweater? Well, uh, by the way, you guys, cashmere is not made of goat hair necessarily, not just your ordinary goat hair. No, no. Most of the hair on a goat, uh, even a so-called cashmere goat, is really coarse and thick and uh, you know, unsuitable for our dainty skin, a little bit scratchy. Well, cashmere comes from a second undercoat under the, under the goat, 
And that only grows in winter, where the hairs are fine and downy. But even goats that are specially bred to produce cashmere grow very, very little of it, about half a pound of fur per goat. Hence, the ca- uh, the cashmere uh, garments are very expensive. Well, somebody decided to do something about that, because in China, the world's top producer of cashmere, uh, they've been trying to breed more productive cashmere goats. So now what they're using are the, is the CRISPR technology. That's the genetic editing technique to disrupt a single gene uh, in cashmere goats. Now that change makes the hair in their undercoats even longer and a lot more, well, somewhat more, and makes it a little bit thicker. And this genetic twist, uh, tweak will boost a yield by about three whole ounces. So they make more money, and... Uh, they do that by editing a gene for the purpose of clothing. So, just saying. <clears throat> well, um, did you all know that dwelling on the past instead of learning from it can ruin your health? Sure. Well, research, is, you know, research suggests that people who look back at their past experiences full of regrets about oh, let's say missed opportunities or with bitterness about how they've been treated, are more likely, much more likely to fall ill and generally will have a poor quality of life. They say that uh, people who look back in anger are also more sensitive to pain. Mm. Now, it's suggested that focusing too much time on the future uh, uh, does not harm our health, but it can stop people from enjoying what they have. Now, they say that the happiest and healthiest people, according to the researchers, are those who manage to enjoy the right here and the right now while making time to learn from the past and simply plan for the future. They said, and I quote, We have observed that when people are negative about past events in their lives, they also have a pessimist or fatalistic attitude towards current events. Now, I can tell you that in my working with clients, that many times I have to remind people, you know, your past does not define your future. People never stop to consider that. And often people who have had difficulties in their past can't see a happy future because they assume that that will be a repeating cycle. And thus it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So this was an important research article, and I hope that you are all listening real close. They say that focusing on the past generates greater problems in people's relationships. And uh, people like that find it hard to make a physical effort in their day-to-day activities. They are more physically limited at work, more sensitive to pain, and far more likely to become ill. So take it from research, take it from me, talk to a lot of people every day. You know, the past is to be learned from, but the past certainly does not define your future unless you don't let it go. Right. Right. And uh, what are you going to give your three-year-old for Christmas? Are you going to give him maybe a virtual reality headset? (laughs) Well, a doctor now is cautioning against the use of virtual reality headsets for children. And they say it's going to be a really hot holiday gift, these virtual reality headsets. And uh, they say that we really don't know a lot about this technology, and especially when it comes to kids. 
Now, the headset will completely immerse its users in a 3D virtual world. Uh, users are saying, I felt like I was actually there. Uh, you can't believe it. You can't tell it from reality. And uh, somebody said, well, there's no age limit to this. Uh, somebody that uh, was uh, reporting on their, what, ecstatic experience with this headset, that anyone could use it. And so um, the doctors are saying, well, but there is an age limit. And many of the top-selling brands uh, warn kids against using the device. Samsung says it's not for kids under 30. Uh, 13, excuse me, kids under 30. That part should be more like <laughs> under 13. And Sony PlayStation is re recommending it for kids 12 and up. And um, other brands are saying they're not being specific, but they just say it's not for young children. Well, anyway, they say doctors are saying that there's a legitimate question about whether that much exposure to artificial visual stimuli will alter the way the brain accepts and processes visual information. It's a big unknown. Now, it's also a challenge for the eyes and the brain when you're using virtual reality because while the image is up close to your face, it tricks your brain into seeing depth. And they say we don't know what uh, that type of conflict might mean for any user. And the immediate concerns uh, with the younger users is because they're probably prone to use them for much longer periods of time. And also, <laughs> goes without saying, young children have young developing brains and that we need to understand whether the brain is changing in some permanent way. They say that it's also possible to become nearsighted by using these goggles. The doctors are saying, you know, you should encourage judicious use of these devices perhaps limiting their time to 30 minutes or so. Well, here's an Anastasia editorial comment. Why mm. is not using the device never presented as an option? <clears throat> Maybe we just shouldn't use these devices. So mm, there you have it. Um, I brought that up uh, this evening because I know that many, many parents are giving their young children cell phones, uh, and we've talked about that on this show before. Uh, what this electromagnetic radiation does to young brains and uh, really is <laughs> sorely ill-advised to allow your small child to have a cell phone. And uh, in the same vein, it's really strongly ill-advised to let a small child have one of these uh, 3D reality advice devices. So there, I said it. Not popular, but in your best health. And uh, last uh, story for tonight. Mm, you know, it's long been suggested that nighttime workouts uh, should be avoided by people, uh, in part because they say it could disrupt your sleeping patterns. Well, new research uh, adds a biological reason why daytime workouts are better. And do you know it has more to do with your body's circadian rhythm than with your ability to fall asleep? They say that your body is intricately in tune with daily cycles of light and darkness, right down to your muscles. And uh, research by scientists at Northwestern University in Chicago have, has revealed that muscles have their own internal clocks. And as a result, muscles function better during the day than they do at night. And what this means on a practical level is that your workout will yield different fitness results depending on the time of day that you do your workout, with daytime exercise being preferable to nighttime. 
So, you know, I know a lot of people that get home in the evening, they don't want to get up early and work out before work, but, hey, food for thought. Probably get better results if you respect your the circadian rhythm of your muscles and work out in the morning instead of later at night. All right. Makes sense. And that's going to be it for Starseed News this week. And uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks, eh, Ariel, before we get back. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll be in Arkansas next Tuesday and then be back the following Tuesday. So two weeks from tonight we'll be back. All right. Well, you all have to wait for two weeks. <laughs> in the meantime, I hope that you're on the quest and enjoying yourselves and uh, having happy hearts. So from my heart to yours, I wish you all beautiful weeks ahead until we meet again in two weeks for more of the Starseed News. Thanks, Ariel. Thank you so much, Anastasia. We sure appreciate it. So um, this evening, because Lavendar is actually um, on her way to Arkansas, um, we have a pre-recorded um, presentation on Pleiadian lineup, which starts uh, tomorrow and goes until um, Saturday. <clears throat> so it's a good time for star seeds to um, to be centered, to realign with their star seed um, missions. And um, it's a good time to charge your crystals. Um, a lot of um, high-frequency energy coming to the planet as the Pleiadian ships come in. Um, additional ships, there's always, uh, they're always here, but there's heightened activity during this time. So um, with that, I am going to present Lavendar on Pleiadian Lineup. Thank you, Ariel. Today we have a really, really special program, one that pinpoints the Pleiadian lineup, which is uh, May 15th through the 20th, and of course November 15th through the 20th. The main days that I look at, though, are the 17th, 18th, and 19th of May and November because there's a three-day window of activation when the Pleiadians come and go from our planet because the sun will be rising and setting with the, with the Pleiades to Earth. This is an astronomical uh, event. It's an astrological event, and we call it Pleiadian lineup for those of us that want to be reminded of these dates. And why do we want to be reminded? Because a lot of us are here working with the Pleiadians. Some of us are Pleiadians. Some of us are not. However, the Pleiadians have the experiment on the planet at this time. They have more programs running with their star children, their indigos, and more and more walk-ins. And I must say that the walk-ins that came last November by the millions, not the thousands, by the millions, will be activated in full motion after this next Pleiadian lineup. The codes happen for them this way. They come down. They take a body attachment, which means a Pleiadian can be standing next to you, walking with you every day. You get to remain as your own soul and as your own mission, but you have a Pleiadian that walks with you, that gives you instructions, that helps you make uh, wise decisions, keeps you out of harm's way, and keeps you flowing with your mission. I had an example happened today uh, with a really charming lady. Uh, her name is Elizabeth, and she wanted a chart reading. 
And so I did her chart. And in the chart, I realized that she had really chosen her chart in such a special way. In other words, she was on a ship. She knew that she needed to come back to the planet. She wasn't on a, a, a Pleiadian experiment. And there were several things that she wanted to activate in her, in her life. And she had to find a car, a vehicle, with which to come to have certain things activated in her body. And they were real specific things that would be time-coded and released later in her life. And one of them was a 26-degree Libra rising with a Uranus at 27 Libra on her ascendant, which would give her the power and the momentum to be balancing beam for changes that would happen on the planet for star seeds, and especially for her children. And the children's marking comes over on her fifth house, which indicates that she would really have within her bloodline information that would come from Atlantis, information having to do with Athena, the 96 goddesses, everything in her chart came uh, up to the Pleiadian experiment as far as I could tell. The other thing that happened as we were talking, her voice print, I realized that in a person's voice are codes in a voice print that activate files in my head and it gives me the access to download the information more about the person. So when I saw that in her second house, she had a 25 Scorpio that matched the eighth house, 25 Taurus. That was the Pleiadian code for activation from May to November. So I knew that she was here to really be part of the Pleiadian experiment. And when she first heard our radio show, Ariel, she was pregnant just a few months. And her husband came in while the radio show was, while our, our teleconference was going on, and laid on top of her. And she said, why are you on top of me? I'm pregnant. And, he, and, and she said this glaze came over his eyes, and she had to push him off. And all of a sudden he said, I'm a Pleiadian doctor. I came to check on the baby. So that was very, very um, startling for me to hear that while we were doing our teleconference, which was she had, you know, on speakerphone laying there hearing us talk months ago while she was pregnant, that this would happen. And at that time, we were talking about the Pleiadian lineup. So you talk about synchronization and, and clarity about that. Also, I said to her, I said, you know, you have a marking over here that shows that in March that you would meet your husband at, the, at a certain time. You had an agreement to meet every March. And, and I said, did you meet your husband in March? And she said, yes, I met him March 23rd. I said, well, the activation actually happens on Athena's birthday on March 20th. She was really amazed that I was able to pinpoint the time when she would meet her husband. And her husband and she are, are really part of a great team to bring forth some beautiful crystal indigo children. And I really think that they're going to be scientists and inventors from Atlantis that are going to come and bring really responsible technology back to the planet. So I thought that maybe I would share with you today uh, an example of an, a Pleiadian experiment in a chart. If you have any questions about this, I'd be happy to answer. So if you have the mark of the Pleiades in your chart, you may be Pleiadian, you may be working with them, or be attached 
to one of them. Right. And as I said, the ones that came this past November, it takes a while maybe to get adjusted to some of the cause and effect that's already in motion with the um, the occupant. And so they really probably won't be making such a, a huge dramatic entrance into the world. Uh, but after May, we're going to see millions of of Pleiadians go into motion and changes are going to really start happening and I'm talking about the exchange of world leaders and new technologies coming forth that are responsible and some of the criminals on the planet that have been polluting and runneth amok including the, the greed, greed monsters of Wall Street a lot of stuff's going to start changing after May you know some people are going to be very unhappy about the stock market and real estate and things that they own. A lot of uh, people are going to go to jail. They're going to be, you know, exposed for the criminals that they are. A lot of people will be happy about this. On the other hand, some will be unhappy because they have their money maybe in the stock market or places where they're going to lose. And I'm talking about some of the light workers on the planet and some of the people that have been responsible will be caught up in there's going to be a pon another Ponzi scheme that's going to be exposed much grander than the ones that we've been, you know, attested before. And some of the world leaders, I must say that there's going to be exchange happened. Uh, the exchange has probably happened already, but the activation and the acknowledgement of, um, you know, the entrance and exits of power in certain countries is going to take place. And there might be a few assassinations. If they're not willing participants in this Pleiadian program, then they'll just simply be taken out. That is, that is the way the program is set up. I'm also feeling like that we're going to have some educational changes take place. In other words, instead of people going to school to learn uh, the things that they're being taught, right now, they'll be trained, new programs of education are coming forth that's going to recognize astrology, uh, telepathy, enhance some of these children's gifts. There's going to be put things put in motion that will rectify some of the educational programs that we have now. And they will encompass some of the new technologies because most of the kids are learning what they're learning now through computers and through digital uh, information. You know, the Teton meetings that happened in January, they happened in January from 1, the 1st to the 7th, and July 1 through 7. So in the last meeting, it was really pointed out to us that we must be more tolerant of others that are different from ourselves because a lot of beings are going to come through bodies from the Pleiades, and some of them are going to act up a little bit because they'll be running on someone else's program and a program that's locked in pretty strong and it's kind of hard to take your foot off the accelerator. So it's like a lot of Pleiadians that are coming may be shown in a bad light, like they may go on a drunk for a week or they may beat their wife or they may do something very outlandish and it's like, oh, you know, how can they be Pleiadian and act that way? Well, it, because the car 
and the accelerator is stuck. And until something jars it loose, can they really then function? It's like jumping into a speeding car and re and trading places with the driver, and the you know the foot stuck on the gas is going to take some time to to correct his mistakes and his programs. I can see right. what you're saying there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know when, and and I thought it was so lovely that when Elizabeth cho chose to be born, she chose to be born in a foreign country, and, and with a family that she really didn't identify with, and she had a lot of karmic records in the in America, but she had to have this car, she had to have the physical vehicle because she had promised, you know, to her soulmate, and she had promised to the children she was going to have that she would have to have this car that had you know, roll up windows and a and a radio and a, you know, special equipment in the car. That's the way I look at it. She had to have this for the bloodline to pass on to her kids. On an individual basis, knowing of this alignment coming up, how can we maximize our presence here and the knowledge of that timing? Well, the thir first thing is to acknowledge that it's happening and to be aware that what you ask for three times, especially if you're on a Pleiadian experiment with them, if you ask something three times, they really, it's like turning on your radio and you're getting the frequency of the Pleiadian station that's being beamed down. You know, ask three times and there it is. That's one of the things. The other thing that I would say is be very, very conscious of people that are around you and people that are are kind to you and even people that are mean to you just be very aware of the interaction because a lot of Pleiadians will come down and run tests on you they'll be at the grocery store at the drug store at the dry cleaners you don't know exactly when you're going to run into one and they'll be finding out what your interchange of energy is with by looking at the eyes by seeing how you're treating your fellow humans it's a you know, it's kind of um, it's kind of like they walk around with a clipboard and they're checking off different things with different people that they're that they're looking at. Does that make sense? In inspection at boot camp. Yes, it is. It's a, it's a <laughs> it is a Pleiadian inspection. That's true. That is very, very, very true. I had this picture of Starseed knowing the timing and having a point at which during this window they all put out a single intent. Yes. You know, there there are several um, groups around the country that find days, like the 1111 group. That 1111 group is so strong and so powerful. And I know that it was like, I don't know how many years ago, back in the early 1900s, when that first started happening, there's an interesting story. I, I can't really recall all of it right now, but I know that several people were led to come to Mount Shasta uh, on 11-11. And at 11-11, at that time, a giant ship came down and gave them all instructions and, and said that this would be a date when certain Arcturian ships, Pleiadian ships, Syrian ships, but that's another date when on the planet they come and activate the intent. This is a strong intention day. Intention day for the planet and its people to move upward in frequency and in balance and to 
also put the clarion call out, stop polluting the planet, stop polluting the children's minds with disharmonic music, disharmonics at any level. It's a clarion call. 1111 is a clarion call. And, you know, sometimes I, you know, look at the clock, and sure enough, it's 1111. Like this morning when I called Elizabeth, it was 1111 for her time, not mine, but hers. And so, therefore, it opens up a frequency and a window. It's like a, it's another it's another digital radio station that jumps to another radio station that goes to a television station that goes to a satellite that all of a sudden it's 26 degrees of Sagittarius Galactic Center. That's just kind of how it works in my head. That's the best way I can describe it. So the reason that the 1111 group is so powerful is because they know how to combine their intent? Yes, it's an intention group. Okay, and for Pleiadians, people with the um, Pleiadian markings and programs that, that they know of, if they've you know, been drawn to the Pleiades, how can we combine our intent? And what would, what would you say if the whole group was going to get together and say, focus on one thing, what should that be? You mean like pick a day and a time? Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I would say when the sun would be uh, on this Pleiadian lineup, I would say when the sun is 26 degrees, which I think is going to be on the 18th this year. I'm not sure. I think it's the 18th. And I would do 11-11. When, when you pull in an 11-11 on a 26-degree on a Pleiadian sign, you have a double whammy. So you have you have a a frequency to the Pleiades, but at the same time you have a strong intentional time. And eleven eleven, of course, you'd have to designate the times and all the time zones. Right. So that would have to go on for for twelve hours at least for people in their time zone. Whenever they choose it, they would know that eleven eleven would be happening with a group somewhere. Actually, I would say the intention this time for this one would be the acknowledgement of the millions of walk-ins that are on the planet and for them to have safety and protection with their coming out party. That'd be one thing. And I must say that as I'm doing these charts, more and more information is fed to me about information that maybe consciously I didn't know before. So as, as I do more charts... I tell you, it, it is really incredible the amounts of information that seems to pour through me at this time, especially with the approaching Pleiadian lineup that we have. You know, I've been doing so many charts lately, and the more charts that I do, the more, the more information is being fed to me about how the Pleiadians really operate on the planet. And when I see these 25, 26, 27 degrees, and some of the other star markings that I've been tracking, I am really, really confident about the voice prints that I get from people. I look at their natural states. I look at their rites of passage. And by the end of the day, I'm so overwhelmed sometimes by the immensity of how these Pleiadian experiments are actually conducted on the planet that I have to go out and dig in the dirt and, and you know, plant flowers or, or do gardening work because it is so, so overwhelming and yet it's so wonderful for me to be able to access these records. And I've been doing this work for a very, very long time, but just recently I've been able to access 
even further records and further information about Pleiadian lineup and how it really, really shows in a person's chart if they really are tied to these experiments. We have many shifts that are coming, but we have, yes, the shifts at all levels and all dimensions. And I must say, this program called Friends that's on television is probably more true than people really know. And it's about an interlocking world space where a, another parallel world, just like ours, is coexistence with us. And there's times when we go back and forth and we get to interchange with our other selves in these times and places. And, and I think you're going to be hearing more and more about some of the scientists that have uncovered this reality. And I'm really happy to see that, that the show Fringe has been showing this. Well, do you think that would account for people that have seem to have split personalities or, or bipolar? They've, they've been diagnosed as bipolar. Could it be uh, some of those? Yes, definitely. You know, it's one thing to have a psychic experience or have a ghost show up or an astral show up or an ET show up, but to wake up and be in another world for five minutes and it's, it's another world and then step back, yeah, I think that the doctor would tell you that you're beyond bipolar. You're hallucinatory, you know, they're having hallucinations, and you're bipolar, and you're take a pill. Right. <laughs> take a pill. And if that one doesn't work, we're going to add another one to it, because two-thirds of them don't work in the first place. Right. That commercial cracks me up. I guess, like, who would go and get that? A uh, little off the subject there. There was a time uh, back in 1981 when I was on Catalina Island, and um, I was instructed to send some crystals by a friend of mine named Elizabeth. She took the crystals to Cairo, Egypt, and it was on Pleiadian lineup that she was to take them inside the pyramid. And I think that must be when I really first started understanding about Pleiadian lineup. And um, I had such a horrific experience when she came back with the crystals. I remember picking her up at the airport at 2 in the morning, putting her in a limousine, taking the crystals from her, going to a motel, checking in, and I was ready to leave the next day for Catalina. And the man that I was with said, you know what, I think that we should just stay right here. And I said, yeah, but it's you know, it's Thanksgiving, and, and I want to cook, you know, the chicken and dressing and my mom's recipe, and I just started whining. And he just, and this look came over him, and his eyes got very stern. He says, we're not going. We're just not going. So I pouted a little bit and then turned on the TV, and the, the helicopter that was taking us to Catalina had crashed right off the coast of Long Beach on the way to Catalina. And that's oh. the one. That's the one we would have been on, and that's the one that the crystals somehow knew and spoke in a very strange way to us to say, you don't get on the helicopter and you don't go to Catalina. I did take the crystals to Catalina, and, this, and then I w it was very sad for me because that was the week that Natalie Wood died, and I was on the island at the time. And when I heard the news, I will never forget... I. I was doing dishes, and my friend came in and said, oh, you will never believe, you know, what has happened. And he told me, and as I was taking an iced tea glass and putting it down, it, it 
left my hand, floated in the air, and floated all the way down to the ground and did not crash. I'll never forget that. It was like a simultaneous moment of something. And then all of a sudden, I started bleeding, and I started passing kidney stones, and then we started having to get me off the island. It, oh, that was just a whole another horrific story. But it was like the moment those crystals came back from Cairo, stuff started happening. Hmm. And that's when I say I can say that I really started tuning in to play it in lineup, and some of the adventures that I was going to have in my forthcoming years on the planet would be tied to this Pleiadian lineup. And did you know at that time that you were assigned to work with Natalie? Yes, I was. And I was that's that I had been told um previously I'd been in Flagstaff one day and and, uh, and they came to me and gave me a list of some of the high profile people that were star seeds and that would be asking for my assistance. And one of them was Natalie Wood. So I was very, very sad to see that she would not be in the realm of my protection and in my guidance. And so others stepped up to take her place. And later on, maybe later on in the radio show, I'll talk about some of these people, and maybe I won't. You know, there is a, there is a record keeper that is in Cairo, Egypt. There's this huge vast amounts of information that was brought from Atlantis and buried in the Hall of Records there in Giza. And occasionally, you know, I will just, I'll, trickery will just come along and snap that open and all of a sudden I'm looking at it going, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I'll be wandering around in my mind through these halls of records that came from Atlantis and all these computer systems. And I'll get, I'll get really engrossed in it and then think, you know what, this doesn't have anything to do with me, uh, you know, doing dishes today or planting the garden or my everyday function. So I have to snap myself out of it. But I'm seeing more and more that I'm, that I'm going back in time to the time that I was in Cairo. I was taken to these places. I was downloaded all this information from the Emerald Tablets and from Atlantean Technology and so many other things that are hooked up to it. And one of the things that's hooked up to it, and this probably has to do with some of the work that I do now, is some of these records of the people are held in these crystal computers that are starseed now on the planet that go back clear to Atlantis. And and the record-keeping place from these mad scientists and some of the technology boys, even the Tesla kids that are on the planet now, they come from or I track from this huge computer uh, of crystalline measure that's in the Pyramid of Giza. And, of course, when I was there in 81, the first set of crystals went with my friend Elizabeth. Then the second group, when I was told to go back, this time I went back, uh, I put the announcement out. I said, look, I'm going. If anybody wants to show up, fine. And I said, I have no idea exactly what's going to happen except for one thing. I do know that the Pleiadians are going to come. They are going to choose some of us to do work on the planet. I don't know the specifics of it, but if you're willing, you're able, and if you think you want to be part of a Pleiadian experiment, then you show up in Cairo, Egypt on the 17th, 18th, and 19th of November of 1983. I had 18 people to show up. 
I had one uh, famous actress and author to show up. I had a lot of, uh, I had a couple of scientists. I had astrologers. I had some, uh, a really close friend uh, of mine that's, that I've been talking to ever since. And you know what? I have not really kept in touch with a lot of people that were in there, except recently I've had two to call me, and I have not talked to them for 25 years. So they're just now starting to resurface in my life, the people that were there on this Pleiadian experiment in 1983. And we took some Giza crystals. And the Giza crystals came out of the Jeffrey mine. We had 40 pounds of them. And uh, they were activated. And these are tiny, tiny, tiny double-terminated crystals. They're, I asked them how powerful they were, and they said, you have nothing on your planet with which to measure them, but they are 7 million times celestial power. And I've kept a record of a lot of these crystals that have been traveling around the world to PowerPoints and to different places. And, of course, on our website, I talk about the discovery of star markings, and I have my Ayers Rock story in there about how many hundred people, you know, are waking in the middle of the night saying, please take me to Ayers Rock. And I just don't know what's going to happen there, but there is this marking on the top of Ayers Rock, which matches a, a, a hieroglyphic that they found in a recent tomb that was just opened. And you know what it says? Time travel. Wow. It's like that really lit my bulb up. I just went, they've been planning these huge demonstrations for a very long time. The immensity of waking a person up and having them buy tickets to get on airplanes to go to Australia and rent a car and drive out in the middle of nowhere to see this huge rock and plant this crystal. Wow. That's all i got to say. <laughs> That's way beyond Richard Dreyfus uh, in uh, Close Encounters, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I think of the the other people that have written to me and and how that they went to Washington D.C. and planted them all over the the monuments and the in the water fountains and some of the key places in Washington, and how they've been activated at different times because every time. Every time planets start hitting that 25, 26, 27 degree marking, these crystals are activated. They're activated and open up doors and windows of curves and angles of space, things that are so beyond our comprehension, but they're balancing beams. They're balancing beams between nature and man. They also have a lot to do with the Devic kingdoms. You know, the Devic kingdoms are such another area of work on the planet and they have to do with the crystal grid and when we planted some of the crystals in Yucatan in the cave I had one of the shocks of my life I actually see a fairy that stood about I don't know three to five inches tall and she picked up one of these tiny tiny little Giza crystals and she made this really weird sound and when she made this sound more of them came out of from where they were and I had people with us that got to see this. We had witnesses to this. And we were, of course, all very aghast at what we heard. But, but the thing that was told to me later was she was so excited about the information that she was getting from the crystal as she was making the noise because they had not heard from Cairo, Egypt in 500 years. Oh, oh my gosh. Can't tell you how much beer I drank after that. <laughs> well, I mean... You know, when you get to see, well, when you see little people, (laughs) 
and you know that you know they belong to the devic world and and they are carriers and messengers of crystalline frequency and uh yeah it really uh, it was a turning point for me it was definitely a turning point for me and for them and and, and for them and then later i couldn't get on the airplane and go to palenque but I sent two people in, in an airplane to, to plant the crystals, and I, I, I was instructed to have them go to a particular temple that was well hidden. It was hidden by brush. It took them a while to find it, and I said, here's the important thing about planting these crystals. The minute you plant them, get the hell out of Dodge, because once that energy is released, there are some devic energies that are kind of demonic in form now, that have been kind of playing there and using the energies for demonic purposes. And at the minute that you plant these crystals, it's going to banish them and disconnect them, but they're going to see who did it, and they're going to chase you. And, of course, I'm sure they thought I was kidding. So uh, they went ahead and planted the crystals, and they were on their way back. Uh, just within five minutes, they turned around, and here were these huge globs of black, clouds running on the ground that were chasing them to the airplane. They got to the airplane, and the pilot was just about ready to leave them because when he saw this, he had already revved up the engine and was saying, I'm out of here. And they barely made it back into the airplane and took off. These black clouds followed them all the way to Merida. And it was not the rainy season. It rained for three days and three nights. Oh, my God. Yep. This is part of the stuff I have in in my journal that I'm going to be releasing. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a movie called Crack Between the Worlds because this is part of the adventures that come from there. Well, thank you, Lavendar, for that presentation. And certainly there's been some very... um, um, high experiments in in Lavendar's life around Pleiadian lineup. And um, surely not all of us will be on such assignments um, every single Pleiadian lineup. But um, if you simply stay balanced, stay focused, uh, do some meditations over the next few days, take your crystals out to be charged up with this frequency... Um, you can make the most of these energies um, in reaching out to your higher self, to your star seed, um, your star family. And remember, um, as Lavendar said, if you if you want more understanding or more guidance or, or help with the project, remember to ask three times. And during um, Pleiadian lineup, whether it's um, this week or you know six months from now, always pay attention to everything that goes on in your life and make note of it. Um, things that might come in dreams or meditation, people that show up in your life, doors that open, doors that close, um, these kind of things can mark a turning point. But it might not seem like anything at the time. So just remember everything that goes on. You might want to keep a journal um, around Pleiadian lineup so that um, later on down the road, 
as situations evolve and develop into something that is significant to you. This way you'll always be able to track it back and see if that seed were planted during Pleiadian lineup so that you will have some confirmation of the galactic significance of certain events in your life. And the most important thing is to to stay balanced and when you are um, reaching out to the Pleiadians or any, any 5D race really, remember that you have to keep your frequency as high as possible because if you're walking around uh, angry or discontent or depressed, um, that frequency is so harsh for them that they just can't do it. They can't come to you. You have to go to them, so to speak, by having as much uh, gratitude and joy in your life, taking into account all the things that you have to be thankful for. And when you can get yourself into that frequency of gratitude, it's much easier to connect with them um, because your your energy is not like fingernails on the chalkboard to them. So um, over the next several days, as um, you heard in the recording, you never know if the person standing next to you that's being very annoying, if they're really a Pleiadian who's just seeing what you will do in that situation. So fill your heart with grace and um, tolerance for others um, and try to keep your frequency as high as possible, as loving as possible, nurturing, compassion, all of those things help to elevate your frequency and makes you um, it makes it easier to be connected and to get information and guidance from the Pleiadians. Um, so I hope that I hope that you <laughs> that you get my point. Let me just um, since I'm only here by myself, Vanya, I've got your mic open. Um, did what I just say make make sense to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I spend a lot of time surrounded by fellow starseeds in, in the area that I live in. And I can honestly tell you their experiences are much more powerful and connected when they are in the state of grace, as you were saying, when they are able to um, maintain a level of positivity, love in their hearts, and genuine caring for others in, in and around them. Um, I know that they've uh, achieved a lot more um, specific contact, more information, um, upgrades, if you will, during this time frame. And um, I believe that setting your intention to be open to receive and, and yeah, definitely take notes. Take, take every moment as um, not just a simple moment, but a mystical opportunity to experience something that is not in normal everyday books on a regular basis. This is a fun time. Be in joy. Be excited and open and willing to work with things. If you've got geezers, bring them on out. Put them by your bedside table if you can take that. <laughs> and and, yeah. and if you can take that. I've had them there for a while, so I'm quite in tune with them. But um, just start playing with things and asking. Um, don't feel just because you can't see them, heal, hear them, or... or um, you know, uh, see them with your third eye, that, that just because they, that you can't doesn't mean that they're not there with you. You know, as Lavender said in this fabulous recording, 
um, she said that they could be walking beside you. So always know that you are supported and you are not necessarily just being watched, but being supported. They need you to succeed as much as you need you to succeed. So, you know, maintaining the positivity, the openness, and the willingness. And to ask it's eight o'clock. Time. Whoops, sorry, my computer just told me what time it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, that was very just, well said, very well said. And, and yes, um, you know, we have to... Um, take some time to to be alone, to to reach out, to keeping your frequency high. And yes, I mean, uh, Lavendar calls them uh, sometimes drop bys. It's not really a walk in because they're not going to be installed in your body. But you can be overshadowed for a day, a few hours, um, even a few minutes. At, at, at you know precise timing, so um, just keep that in mind for these uh, for these next few days, and imagine, I tell people it's like imagine all the time you've got a halo on your head, and when you hear something comes out of your mouth that is not <laughs> worthy of a halo, you know you have to you have to be you know kind of think of that to keep yourself because it's really easy. You know, to uh, you know, you get behind the wheel of a car and start yelling at people. Um, you know, it's like, no, no, you go first. That's fine. You, you know, just that little, little tiny, tiny energy moves, and in uh, extending a helping hand, and just being, you know, <laughs> like I said, picture that that halo over your head, and make sure that your actions are in alignment with that, and you know, be tolerant of other people. Because you never know, <laughs> you never know who's a Pleiadian or or even who's a starseed and uh, could really use your help or um, guidance and or the other way around. It may be a person who can help you and guide you. So please try to stay open, get your crystals outside, and um, reach out to the Pleiadians because they have more bloodlines here than any other race. And and the other bloodlines that are here are are allies, um, you know, maybe with the exception of a few. So um, suffice to say that you can reach out to um, to the Pleiadians even on the mothership. Um, there are more than just Pleiadians; at least thirty three different species. So um, the chances are really good that. You know, if you if you're not a Pleiadian, if you're Syrian, we got Syrians on the Pleiadian mothership. It's called the Star of Bethlehem, or TX11. And there's you know there's um, and they're all a lot of races are descendants of the Lyrans, and so it's it's also interconnected. So um, with that, I think that we will be wrapping it up and um, wish you all a very wonderful and um, productive. Pleiadian lineup and think of something nice that you can do for someone else that they're not expecting and, and try to pay it forward because we all have so many blessings that we tend to um, not think about every day so use that to keep yourself in a state of gratitude 
So, Vanya, thanks so much for um, for your your part, and you uh, you really voiced yourself well and with some good points for people. So, uh, until um, two weeks from tonight, we're going to sign off. And uh, on behalf of all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, have a wonderful Pleiadian lineup. And do remember, count your blessings every day and live in grace. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 